0: We had, I think we launched 18 listings between December and early February. So it was kind of scattered all over the place.
1: Hello, and welcome to Real Estate Investing Deal Deep Dive. I'm your host, Jeremy. The Deal Deep Dive offers lessons learned from Canadian investors while scaling their portfolios. If you're looking to scale your investments, listen to stories from those who have already been there and what they did in your shoes just before we hop into today's show we do have a quick word from our show sponsor have you wanted to learn about short-term rentals like airbnb but can't find the right program well now you can carlos janel Lunis, one of our previous podcast guests is holding a weekend workshop february 24th and 25th at his new lakeside airbnb cabin carlos is going to be going over market research how to determine rates how to stand out in the new algorithm As well as how to attract and vet the best guests. His partner Chris will be going over how to find off-market deals in an automated way and how to make great partnerships for money, credit, and management. Tickets are available on Eventbrite with general admission and overnight stays available. For ticket discounts, use promo code STRJH, that's promo code STRJH. I look forward to seeing you guys there! Charles welcome to the show
0: thanks Jeremy happy to be here
1: now today we have an extra special episode lined up we've taken our normal structure and we've thrown it completely out the window because you have just such a unique business structure for those of you for those listeners who don't know who are you and how'd you get started in real estate
0: Yeah, all right. Well, I'll give give my corporate background first. So I worked at an investment firm for twelve years out of school. I worked for Edward Jones. So I've been a lifelong investor. So I'm a chartered investment manager and CFP. And so creating wealth has has always been a part of my life. I've been investing in real estate since I was a kid. First rental property when I was 22 or 20. Heavily into stocks as well. That's that's really my my expertise, or at least it was. And then after the twelve years of working at Edward Jones and, and building wealth, we just decided that we wanted to get out of that corporate world, get out of the nine to five if we could. And so we started hunting last summer and you know figuring out what that would be, what it would look like to quit our jobs. And uh, we came across Airbnb arbitrage. Would you like me to, to get into that?
1: Absolutely. Lots of people hear, oh, arbitrage, but what exactly is it and what are you guys doing with it?
0: Yeah, awesome. So, in in summary, a rental arbitrage is where you are leasing a residential property from a real estate investor or a landlord. You're really acting as their tenant and property manager, and then you're just subletting it to Airbnb or other you know short-term rental platforms. And then you your business, your profit is the difference really between the rent that you're paying to that landlord and the revenue that you're able to earn on those short-term rental platforms. So that's arbitrage. We heard about it last October. So just over a year ago, we heard it on a podcast. And I swear, when, when I finished listening to the podcast, I knew that that's what I was going to do, that I was going to quit my job and, and I was going to build an arbitrage business. So I spent maybe the the next six or eight weeks kind of doing my due diligence, if you will, building out the foundation of, of what this hypothetical company would look like, our value proposition, how we would get leads, did the numbers make sense? And then once I felt confident that this is a business that we could build, I submitted my resignation. So did my wife. Actually, we both quit our corporate jobs at the same time to build this business before we even started our first property. So we we quit last December. It's been almost exactly a year.
1: That's awesome. Congratulations. So I'm really curious here. Now, you said you quit your job before you even had your first property. What was your first property and how did you get ready for it?
0: Oh man, yeah. I mean, we went in with a with a bang. Like right? the, the plan was to to go quick. So just to to jump ahead, perhaps to help give some context. You know, twelve months later today, we have fifty five listings in our portfolio across Canada. So I wouldn't say there was one property in particular. We had, I think, we launched eighteen listings between December and early February. So it was kind of scattered all over the place. And so I, I guess I would talk about our plan, which was to have no real plan. <laughs> I, my my methodology with this kind of stuff is like, it's definitely a, a ready, fire, then aim approach. I'm a, I'm a big learner. I, I love to fail. I, I want to fail a lot and really dig into the learnings that come from failing. And so we have co-founders as well. So my wife and I quit we found co-founders who were going to be really the Airbnb gurus. We knew if we were going to build this business quickly, we needed to divide and conquer. So my wife and I could focus more on the business development side of the house, you know, the more the strategy behind the scenes. And then the our co-founders would focus more on being experts of, of the actually running the, the Airbnbs themselves. And so the plan was... To lock was absolute chaos
1: sounds like a fun time
0: (laughs) yeah it was it was something
1: so how did you i guess circle around from some chaos to some sort of organized structure
0: yeah so really we had we found properties leases that fit our criteria in a number of different cities at the same time so we had properties in burlington hamilton kitchener windsor and london all within that call it six or eight week period. And so we knew essentially the plan was to build local trusted teams to help launch these properties and then just go. And so we were ordering furniture and supplies from all kinds of different locations, shipping it to locations. And we were just coordinating with the four co-founders to get these places launched as as quickly as possible.
1: Very cool. Very cool. What what kind of team members do you currently have on each one of your, I guess, city locations?
0: Yeah. So our org chart, if you will, we have we have about, well, I guess it was nine now as we're hiring three more. So it, it'll be 12 full-time staff for our company. So this is very much a full-time gig. Arbitrage is not, it's not an investment strategy. It's not passive. It's incredibly active, which is why we all quit our jobs to, to do this. And so yeah, we have... That in-house, the, the 12 staff we have are working full-time remotely. That, that's the, we'll call it the remote staff. That includes the four co-founders and nine others. A lot of virtual assistants, but also some salaried employees. And really just managing all the day-to-day that comes with 55 short-term rental properties. It's a lot, as you perhaps imagine. The local teams, uh, a huge network in each location we work to make sure we have enough cleaning support for our properties. You know, three or four handymen of different skill sets who can be flexible with their schedules and be at our properties at a a short notice, plumbers, et cetera, et cetera, waste management groups. And I would say the difference with short term rentals and making sure you're optimizing your short term rentals is that the, the guest expectations for urgency is so much higher than a long-term tenant, right? So if you have a portfolio of long-term properties with long-term tenants, as long as you have a go-to handyman or plumber, you know the issue comes up, you call your guy, whenever he can get there in the coming days is, is usually fine and the, the tenant is gonna be fine as long as you're taking some action. Guests for a short-term rental, it's more like a hotel. They're, they're paying a, you know to stay there for a short number of days. Hopefully there aren't any issues, if there are, you better have someone there immediately. And then that's that's how we run our business. It's the guests first. And so we have a long list of teams in each city to make sure that someone can be at the property right away if a guest has a problem. Even if it's something small, if it's even if it seems insignificant, if it's the guest that needs something, we're going to have someone there.
1: How did you go about finding these people that could be there for anything?
0: Yeah, that was probably the the toughest part in the early stages because we I think we launched so many properties in so many cities and didn't realize how often we would need people and how quickly we needed them to be there. So I we we had a you know one of each, if you will, and we really just went out to Kijiji and other platforms, we really just putting out there what we were looking for to be meeting people virtually. And as long as they had some basic criteria, you know, the skills we were looking for, flexibility, we would have them on standby, would reach out to our local team. But there was just such a need for having so, so many that after those early few months, we spent a lot of time proactively building our our teams. I'm glad to hear it. Hopefully that Mm -hmm. reduced some of the chaos. It it certainly did. The, The first few months were by far the hardest. A lot of, not a lot of sleep. I think we were all working obscene hours, 18, 20 hour days for a few months just to survive. But through that, we built a company and uh, had a lot of learnings from it.
1: Is there plans here in the near future to, I guess, step back away from the active side and let some of your co-founders take on some of those more active roles?
0: No. (laughs) yeah, You know what? In the beginning, yes. I, I think the plan was more to call it invest in the start of the company, you know, build that foundation, build the systems, the processes, the teams, and then Really let other people run the day to day. But I think we've realized the opportunity is so much bigger than we thought, and that it's also so much more complex than we thought. So, really, there's room for us to continue to add value. And I think that's the biggest question for us can we continue to add value to this company and its growth and its potential? And as long as the answer is yes, we can add meaningful value, we'll continue to be pretty active. And our co founders are. Extremely active. My wife and I have two kids, both young. We have a you know a two-month-old and a two-year-old. And so we can only commit so many hours. Our co-founders are are younger and healthier and more energetic and don't have families. So they really put in a ton of hours at the moment, but they're loving as much as we are. That the four of us are having we're having a lot more fun than we thought. We thought this was a means to to an end to create wealth, but we're really having a riot building this company. It's it's been great, and we just see so many opportunities to, to go from here, like not just arbitrage, but like now that we have this company, so many avenues have opened up as things do.
1: It sounds fair. Which cities are you currently in and are you looking to expand?
0: Oh yes, we're expanding fast. So yeah, I mentioned a few in the beginning, but yeah, let me go through these real quick. So Burlington, Hamilton, Kitchener, Niagara-on-the-Lake, London, Windsor, Calgary, and Moncton. We can talk a little bit about those and why. And then a few different cottage municipalities. We have, I guess, now four cottages in our portfolio. Halliburton, I think predominantly they're in Halliburton.
1: That's in Ontario?
0: Yes. Sounds fair.
1: I'm really curious why Moncton, and I think you say Calgary as well.
0: Yes. It's really, it's so funny. I mean, the arbitrage business, the the model, it's pretty straightforward as a general model. your, Your overhead is the rent. And your revenue is the Airbnb average daily rate and the occupancy rate. So in terms of ideal locations, it's not hard to find where you you have bigger margins, right? You're looking for low rents and high Airbnb revenue. So that's really what you're looking for to, to target the ideal locations for arbitrage. And if you look at the numbers, Ontario... is is just a terrible market for arbitrage. We only started our business here because we knew realistically, if we were going to build fast and build a big company and learn, we needed to be close by our properties. We needed to learn hands-on, and and we did. But now that we've done that, we always knew Ontario was not the best market for arbitrage, and the plan was to expand and build major hubs in more ideal locations. And so Calgary and Moncton were called the next two pilot Locations that we are going to test out and see how the numbers were. Calgary is quite a bit better than Ontario. Rents are just that much lower. And I would say the revenue is close to Ontario. It's less, but proportionally, the margins are still quite a bit higher in Calgary than they are in Ontario. And Moncton is even much better than, than Calgary. Again, rents are just so low and revenue is still quite consistent and predictable.
1: It sounds fair. And have you experienced any issues, difficulties actually investing in those other provinces? Differences with, I don't know, landlord tenant laws or any of the such. No.
0: In short, no. Calgary is also great because they they really support our business. You know, they have a short term rental license. It's really easy to apply. It's basic. They're not very strict. And so once you have your license in place, you feel pretty secure with your business. Ontario was just littered with short-term rental regulations, which makes it difficult for us, way more challenging uh, to to maneuver. So, you know, Calgary has been phenomenal. Moncton doesn't really have any regulations, so it's also been pretty simple. We do plan to expand. That was your other question. We're definitely expanding, but our focus is the U.S., and we certainly expect some more challenges to to start that process, of course, we need to provide corporate structures and other legal and, t- and tax you know issues that we need to overcome, but we're already in the process. So we have three different accountants that we're working with cross-border to make sure we have the right corporate structures before we proceed, but we'll be going heavy into the US in 2023 and uh, big time 2024.
1: Sounds good. I want to touch on the American market here in just a second. I'm curious what kind of regulations you have come across here with the Ontario rentals.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 I understand why they're doing it, but it's the, the housing crisis in Ontario, right? It's the lack of supply that that is the issue really across Canada, but in particular Ontario. And so the regulations they're putting in place is just anything they can do to restrict the number of residential properties. It doesn't really matter whether it's detached or, you know, a condo building, they want to reduce the number of residential dwellings that are being used for non-permanent residents, right? So they essentially the main regulation is that, yes, you can run a short-term rental, but it needs to be on your primary residence. And this is how Airbnb used to be, right? You can rent out a room in your home, or if you're on vacation or you're traveling for work, you can rent it out for a period of time, but it, you're really only supposed to be running it from your primary home, not on an investment property. That That's the typical regulation that we face.
1: Very interesting. Good to know. Now, when you're moving into the American market, first of all, is there any plans to go elsewhere besides the U.S.? Maybe Costa Rica, Peru?
0: Yes, sir. <laughs> we're, we're, we're definitely going. We're, we're looking global. That, that's the benefit of, of this business and in today's world really is it's remote. I, I rarely leave my home and, and our business keeps growing and expanding all over the place. So really what our plan is in, in the coming months here, we're going to build our own internal database for really identifying the the ideal locations for arbitrage. And so we're going to have all the criteria laid out as to what makes the ideal location for arbitrage from financial and otherwise And then using that criteria, we're going to build a research team, essentially, of virtual assistants and others to fill our database with information and use that to identify the best locations. So we don't want to limit ourselves to Canada or just the U.S. We really want to think global and we're open to anything. And so hopefully the next few months we will have narrowed our search to some top locations. Then we'll build the strategies to expand and press the go button.
1: Sounds very nice. If if you do expand into the Caribbean, just let me know. I I will volunteer as a test subject on one of your new properties.
0: Fantastic! Glad to hear it.
1: Jokes aside, are you willing to share whereabouts in the US you've been considering investing in? I'd uh, I want to be honest.
0: A- no, oh, I, I'd be happy to to, to share it if if I had some some nuggets. Not really. I, the. the, the the cities I would, or the locations I would throw out there are just guesses, to be honest. So Arizona, we've heard, is, is a good spot. Philadelphia is one that we want to look at. But these are just ones we've heard from others that we should consider exploring. We're going to start doing our own due diligence in the coming months. So I don't really have any answers yet.
1: That is fair. And I'm glad to hear that you are doing your own due diligence. Lots of newer investors, they take the word of... Don't want to name anyone specific, but lots of the gurus and then they go and then they get burned. So I'm very glad to hear you're doing your own due diligence.
0: Yeah. And something I would suggest if people are getting or interested in the getting into the arbitrage space, stay away from the big cities. It's just for so many reasons, that's just not the place to be because everyone goes to the big cities. And that's probably the biggest risk to Airbnbs over the long term is in locations where everyone wants to be. Whether it's oversaturation, just way too much supply in that city over time will just bring the revenues down for all, but also regulations, right? So if everyone's jumping to these cities and the entire city is turning into a giant short-term rental, you just have to know if there's not regulations in there today, there's going to be. So even if it looks okay today, you can just expect oversaturation and regulations. And so you start your business there, looks great today, one year from now, two years from now, you wish you didn't start there. So I would suggest actually really finding the the suburbs, the the smaller places that people aren't, the masses aren't thinking about, and just like just like our business here, the places I mentioned. We I didn't mention Toronto or, or or Montreal. We're talking about Kitchener. Kitchener is our best area of operations. It's a little suburb, you know, two hours west of of, of Toronto. So our Our focus, I think, in the U.S. most likely will be to find the Kitcheners of the U.S., cities that no one has heard of. Very, very interesting.
1: (laughs) Thank you very much, sir. So since you are looking at the suburbs, would you mind sharing, like, is there a particular reason that you have picked the locations that you're looking at? Is there like a demographic or a profile that you're looking for for the would-be tenants?
0: Yeah, so the, the bulk of our portfolio we focus on traditional class C, they call it in this industry in arbitrage. They often call them class C properties. It's where the rent is is below a certain amount. They're they're basic properties. There's nothing special about them. They don't have a bunch of amenities and it's for more necessity-based travel. So this is people traveling for work or they, they're out of their home for some reason. They have you know renovations happening or, or insurance issues. They're between homes. So the family has sold a home, but they're waiting for their next one to close. Families visiting families, friends visiting friends. And so really just suburbs, nice neighborhoods, nice properties. And and that's it. And that, and that the economies of scale and the simplicity of processes makes things so, so simple when you can just go based on volume and just load up the number of units. But we do want to diversify, like we'll, we'll certainly look at some getaway and vacation type properties, because obviously we have the systems to manage those. We're just, we're not as excited about them, to be honest. We we think the opportunity is in, in volume in, in having lots of short-term rentals in lots of cities with all the very similar processes for setup, for management. It just keeps things nice and clean.
1: That is very understandable. We've had a couple guests on beforehand. One was a vacation expert. He, added, he actually managed to corner the area or a specific area in just off Vancouver Island. And he's basically the only game in town over there, which is really cool. One of our other guests, he actually focuses on specifically hospital rentals, people who very unfortunately have to stop by and see hospital patients or are hospital patients themselves. So there's a whole bunch of different little niches within that Airbnb community. And I'm, I'm glad to hear that you you picked kind of the the normal mom and pops who basically just need a place to stay. I'm very glad to hear it.
0: That, that That's it. And the benefit there is when it's necessity based travel, we're able to connect with local companies and hospitals to provide direct accommodations for people needing a place to stay. So just in, instead of just having it on Airbnb, you know, our company has I guess 26 listings in Kitchener. That's a lot in a, in a small suburban location. And so 26 in Kitchener (laughs) means we can go to a hospital and and there's a couple of good ones there to say, Hey, our company runs these properties. You can always expect the same level of service. Here's our 26 listings. Feel free if families need a place to stay or patients. You can always know that you're going to get quality at these places. Sorry, got a cold.
1: Sounds fair. I'm curious, have you considered leaning very far into like those corporate rentals? I know lots of the corporations, especially I'm in Alberta here. So we look at Fort McMurray and they lease them for a week to out of town workers. Is that something that you've considered?
0: Yes. Just haven't exported too much yet. That's fair. That's fair. Excuse me. <laughs> Sounds good.
1: So I'm curious if you could pick one deal that stands out the most to you, what would it be?
0: Well, we I uh, think that it's an obvious one at the moment. We picked up a property in Niagara on the Lake, and this is outside of our our typical property. So the ones I've been talking about. So our rent for this property is, geez, we pay the landlord. I think it's ninety two fifty a month plus utilities. It's for a gorgeous property in Niagara on the Lake, and we turned it into a girl's getaway. And so a uh, fully themed, we worked with a partner on this one. We found a, essentially a social media influencer. She's phenomenal. And she helped us stage the place, theme it to meet the target audience. Niagara Lake is just a great getaway spot here in Ontario, right near Niagara Falls, but close also to the wineries. It's got like a small town feel to it. It's very popular for, you know, mini getaways. And so we locked in this gorgeous property. We themed it, spent a lot of money on it. Kind of just went outside of our usual processes for this property, but it's it's really blown up. The social media strategy using an influencer has has definitely paid off. I think we had a our launch video for the property. It had two million views in the first week. What? And we don't have a huge following, so like this, this this was all done by the social media influencer who was able to make this happen. But it blew her expectations out of the water too. It was on all the the local radio stations. It was on breakfast television. It showed up everywhere.
1: <laughs> that's incredible! Congratulations.
0: Yeah, it, it was it was a lot of fun, and frankly, it was it was a little stressful at first because I mean, we signed a lease to pay a lot of money, like that's ten thousand dollars a month, and so the property needs to perform for us to be profitable. We also spent good money on staging the place, and so during the, those early stages, we were just crossing our fingers that our our gut was was right about the numbers here. That if we made it to the the best location to be in Niagara-on-the-Lake. If it was the best property available, we thought we could bring in massive revenue that was our projection that has been that's what we looked at in that market that there was an opportunity here to be the the go-to spot and sure enough by the looks of it so far it's still in its early days we only launched it in october and the big months will be may june july august september of next year but even so far based on the amount of demand that's coming through we think it's it's going to perform extremely well
1: <laughs> sounds very promising how did, first of all, how did you go about connecting with this social media
0: influencer? Frankly, we, we got lucky with that one. I I can't recall how we even connected. I think we connected er, months earlier. We chatted about some potential opportunities down the road and that was it. I didn't think, I didn't think too much of it or our team did not And then once we had landed this property, then we, we connected and it was just the, the right fit. Very Actually, I think she, Sorry, no, she came to, she found this property for us as a potential lead, as a potential opportunity. And she kind of brought us in to see if we can negotiate the deal, uh, the rent. So we came in for that part, we closed the deal, and uh, we, we went for it.
1: That's awesome. I'm curious, you mentioned this was like a girls night out theme? Yes. What exactly does that entail? Obviously, you and I aren't of that gender, so...
0: It is pretty much just a giant pink house. It's, I mean, it's, it's a gorgeous home. Like it has, you know, you know, 20 foot ceilings and, you know, two giant islands in the kitchen. So it's a beautiful property, but it's just themed to be, you know, a classic girls bachelor, uh, bachelorette type weekend. Lots of great setting backdrops for taking pictures and, and other fun stuff.
1: Very cool. Very cool. I will have to search your Instagram here to see if I can find that video.
0: I think it actually is in the highlights um, on our, on my page. I think we have a featured property. Our social media is not the best to be honest. We're going to spend more time on it this coming year, but I think I did create a featured property highlight section and it's the only one that I've put in there as a featured property. The other one, we don't have any others that are worth featuring just yet.
1: Sounds fair. Is there a deal or potentially negotiation that you guys had that went particularly bad?
0: Oh yeah. (laughs) Lots. (laughs) That was the whole part of uh, planning to fail that I mentioned in the beginning. I would say, from the first 18 listings we had, geez, at least half of those were terrible deals. (laughs) But with an active business and a long term mindset, they were critical to the start of our company. And so it was on purpose that we took on properties that we knew just weren't great. We were happy to spend the money to learn, to create clients, to create a brand. So, but some of these properties, I tell you, they, just needed so much work there. We also were working with landlords who, well let's call them they were landlords, not professional real estate investors. And that's the biggest issue. Because once we've once we signed a lease, these landlords were not wanting to spend any mo- money on the property. So if there's any issues, you know, things that need to be fixed, you know, holes in the wall, baseboard stain, carpets, whatever it was, like they're looking in for every way possible to not spend money on the property. And for short-term rentals, that's just not an option. Your your property needs to be in pristine condition to make sure that guest it meets the guest expectations. And so, that was the biggest learning. We knew that was the case. It's just we I think we thought these landlords would work more with us to help get the property in the shape that it needs to be. Just just basic. And the answer was that just wasn't the case. So so many of these properties we took on. Uh, just a big struggle in negotiating with landlords to get some fixes. We had to put money in ourselves to fix some of the stuff that just had to be fixed. So yeah, some of those were were pretty ugly.
1: Very interesting. I'm curious, have there been any issues that obviously most of your portfolio is in Ontario currently, have you had any of those issues in the other markets where I'm going to pick on rent control here for a minute, where that, that might have not, not have been the case?
0: No, this was all in Ontario. But again, most of our properties are here. We work with one major investor out in Moncton, so it's just the one real estate investor primarily that we're getting all of our properties from, which is phenomenal. And in Calgary, for the most part, I'm the landlord. We 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 own a a few of the 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 properties in our for our Calgary portfolio. We're going to expand now with the arbitrage, but but we do own the ones in Calgary.
1: Very interesting. Okay, good to know. How would people go about negotiating? To rent to people who arbitrage like yourself, is there a way that you would prefer to be approached?
0: Geez, no. I mean, it, feel free to you know reach out by by email or or, or Instagram or, or or whatever works. And frankly, that's that's what's happened. In the beginning, we had to go proactively out to landlords and real estate investors to pitch the concept. But by March or April, word of mouth you know just kind of spread about the value of leasing your property to an arbitrage company, a reputable one. I think people started to understand it more and more and our name got out there. And so sure enough, I think since April, I don't think we have proactively went out to find a property or a real estate investor since then. It's all come It's all come to us. But yes, they can, the best way is Instagram. And if, as long as you have an Instagram account, go through my, my Instagram handle, send us a DM to say that uh, you're interested in leasing your property to us or an arbitrage company and we can get the process started. Sounds
1: good. We'll add those links at the very end of the show here. Looking back, is there anything that you would do differently on this journey? I know you guys are less, less than two years in and you got, I think you said 55 units already.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just 12 months into this thing. It's been, it's been crazy. We probably would have moved a little bit slower just to, to more just from the own our own stress of it all like it was too much when we launched 18 listings in just a couple of months before we had built proper teams or systems or processes yes we learned a lot from it but truly it, it was it was too fast the distress the and the time put on the the four co-founders here was was too much and we probably lost more money than, than we needed to. We knew we were gonna to, to lose a bunch of money in the lack of efficiencies in launching so many properties at once. You just you can't po- possibly do that economically and efficiently. So we knew that we were going to pay to learn and to grow fast. But I think we just went, we went a little too far that way. I think we were really excited about landing all these deals. We didn't want to say no. Everyone was saying yes. So we decided, okay, we're just gonna do this and figure it out. But it was a little bit too fast. And then we ended up with too many of these properties that that aren't ideal. And so maybe if we had done half of that, like eight or nine off, off the hop, then slowed down to build our processes in our teams and expanded from there, that, that probably would have been the biggest difference.
1: Sounds good. Great advice. Thank you very much, sir. Yeah, certainly. Perfect. And we're trying out a new segment here. What are three things that most people don't know about you? geez okay. question
0: i mean i i think most i was gonna say most probably don't realize that that i'm a dad but i guess on social media they probably do but yeah we're, we're not just entrepreneurs that are grinding 80 to 100 hours a week you know i have a, a two-month-old now and a two-year-old girl and that's my priority and so you know called being an entrepreneur is still possible although i would say maybe it's something that people don't know for sure if they're not following closely enough is that we have co-founders. So I would share that as well, that we aren't doing this alone. That's why this is possible. And that this partnership with our co-founders has been the reason for, for the success here, that we truly needed both sides of the equation. We needed experts on really running the business. They 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 figured out how to optimize all these properties and we focus on the other side of the house. And so uh, sometimes when you see it on social media, you assume it's just us. And the reality is, yeah, there's others here helping us along. So yeah, I'm a dad of that definitely a full-time dad. And uh, we have co-founders that helped lead to the success. It's not just me, even though my face is the one popping up in most places. It, it's certainly not just me. Third, I'm i I'm a big Maple Leaf fan. I mean, I'll go with that. How about that? <laughs>
1: We, we have higher standards out here, but yeah, to...
0: yeah, yeah. Fair enough.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. I'm actually a Vancouver Canucks fan myself. So I, I'm glad to hear you. Oh.
0: Rough, rough, rough season for you. Rough, rough season. But to be fair, I, I can't talk being a, a Maple Leafs fan. It's been a, a rough 20 years or something like that. So
1: <laughs> <laughs> we just keep cheering for our team. And uh, yes, sir,
0: go. that's it. Sounds fair.
1: Oh, perfect. If people do want to learn more about you, where's the best place to go?
0: Yeah, Instagram for sure, that, that that's our main spot. I think you you have my handle there, right? Yeah, You'll crum- have that link up.
1: Crompton Elite?
0: Yes, that's right, Crompton Elite, RDI. That's where we will be sharing our story. We don't have a ton of content up there yet, but it's not bad and we plan to spend a whole lot more time on the social media front as we move into the, the new year. So follow along, you can see where we're at in the coming months. Hopefully you'll watch us expand into the US.
1: Very cool, very cool. I for one look to look forward to seeing what all you guys do here next year.
0: Thanks, Jeremy. Appreciate it.
1: Sounds good. Thank you. Well guys, that is our episode with Charles Crompton. I hope you liked the episode and I hope you guys learned something. If you did, we do ask you to like and share the episode. That way we can help more people invest safely and confidently in real estate. If you wanted to learn anything more about Airbnb arbitrage or real estate investing in general, just send us a message over at Overeducated investor on Instagram or send me a message on Facebook. Until next time, happy house hunting.